0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside, all of us, the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio. Welcome to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We are not relying on the Beach Grove Wi-Fi today. Mike Chappell is here in studio. It's probably
1: pristine today. I know,
0: right? It'd be perfect. Joe Hopkins is here as well. I'm Dave Griffiths. And we've got a great show ahead for you. We'll discuss the Colts' newest defensive coordinator. Of course, a whole lot more still to come on that side of the ball for the horseshoe when it comes to filling in that coaching staff. We'll break down the state of Indy's pass catchers and take a look at some free agent options they could have this offseason to fill up that room. And we'll make our Super Bowl predictions and NFL honors predictions. But, of course, it's the big game this weekend. Rams, Bengals. Uh, and And whenever you look at these teams, Mike, you always like – so, so how did these guys get there? What were their strengths? What were they able to do? And I'm going to start with just a very quick rant, as I'm as I'm one to do. Um, there, there are people who will who will say, "Well, this last off season, the Colts had the chance to get Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz. The Rams got Matthew Stafford, and look where they are. Like that's the only difference between the two teams." Let me say right now. That is not the difference between these two teams at all. I wish that was the only difference. Joe wishes that was the only difference. Let's talk about some things the Rams did this year to get there. Obviously, Stafford. Then you look at what they have already in terms of pass catchers. Cooper Cup, an MVP candidate, like Jonathan Taylor is, you could say, for the Colts. After that, they had Robert Woods at the beginning of the year. He got hurt. What do they do? They go get Odell Beckham Jr. They make a big trade, they bring in a guy. He's not even the biggest trade you could argue that they made during the season to make their team better. They went out, they got Von Miller. Look at the guys they have on their defensive line: Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive player in football. You can Maybe like the
1: best player in football. It's
0: true. You can like DeForest Buckner all you want. Aaron Donald is in a class in and of himself. You can like Quiddy Pays upside all you want. <laughs> yeah, I right. But they like when you compare the Colts' defensive pass rush to Leonard Floyd, and you compare it to uh, Von Miller, it pales in comparison. You can love Kenny Moore in the secondary. He's not Jalen Ramsey, who is an all-pro cornerback, an outside, shut-down, lockdown down cornerback. This is a team, and the offensive line played better than the Colts did this year overall when you combine run and pass blocking. They have good running backs, even though they've had some injuries there this year. You could say that the Colts' two better positions than the Rams are running back and linebacker. After that, the Rams are better everywhere than the Colts. So, spare me the Carson Wentz and uh, Matthew Stafford, oh, woe is me, the Colts, they made the wrong decision. We could be there if we had only just not signed Carson Wentz this offseason. Wrong. There are about 800 other different things that make the Rams a better team than the Colts right
1: now. The only thing I would say is, would they be there with Jared Goff? With everything they've done, would Jared Goff have them in the Super Bowl? Maybe. I don't know. Now, I'd rather have – Matthew Stafford than Carson would Wentz. I just would. But everything – they've done what teams – what few teams do. I mean, they've gone all in on steroids. And that's why I almost argue that it's so more important for those guys, for the Rams to win, than the Bengals. Because they're, they're kind of like Tampa Bay. They did whatever it took. And Joe and I were talking, and if you're a franchise – it, it, it's, it's worth the risk to go all in for this year or maybe for in a two-year span and win it, even if it's, it means like for the next five years you're going to pay the price. When's the Rams' next first-round pick? When was their last first? I season? think it was I,
0: 2016
1: or right. something. The next like like in, two, in 2026 or whatever. But most teams it, that's not Pittsburgh, New England, you know, Green Bay, whatever – you, you, would, you would make that deal. You, you would say, let's push it in and see what happens, even though y- you may pay the price later. So they, they're, I think they're one of the rare teams that, that made all of these moves for now. and Maybe next year. I, I, I'm not sure who all their free agents are. But if they win it, everything they did was worth it. Now, if they lose, was it worth it or not? I still think yes mm-hmm. to get there. Uh, and, and then the Bengals have, have sort of mirrored, mirrored – they've kind of mixed the two free agents and the draft, and it's just... I understand what you're saying. It's not one guy. But doggone it, you've got to have a quarterback.
0: You do. I, I, I can't argue with that. Um, I, I still have a higher opinion of Carson Wentz than you guys do, but I think you can even, even have a low opinion of Carson Wentz and still... Have the head on your shoulders, not to say that this is the only difference right. between these teams, which I've seen more times than not, and, and or like the Colts
2: chose exclude. not to acquire Stafford, and that's like, another we've one talked too. about. Correct. The Colts did not have the ammunition to compete. There were with the reasons, Rams offer. yeah, correct, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So, Joe, what do you think about the Bengals turning? Uh, we we've discussed the, the the Rams quite a bit. Uh, when you look at the Bengals team, I mean, it starts with the quarterback and Joe Burrow, and he, he is in a very short time moved into a just a, a transcendent level of quarterback play. Uh, he he fills up the stat sheet. He has tremendous weapons to work with. I'll give him that for sure. He does not have a tremendous offensive line in front of him. Uh, but which almost
2: w- makes him more impressive. Exactly.
0: And that's what I was going to say. It, what, that, that just kind of puts what he's doing under an even, even brighter spotlight.
2: Yeah, I mean, just well comparing both these teams to how they're built to how the Colts are built, You stud quarterback, which are hard to get. Both these quarterbacks were taken with the first overall pick. And then Stafford, you know, it took a King's Ransom to acquire him. They both have uh, immense talent at the wide receiver position, multiple stud wide receivers, um, and neither has invested heavily into the offensive line. So it's kind of backwards as to how the Colts have built the roster. I'm not saying you don't want to invest into your offensive line, but when you look at what got these teams to the Super Bowl, you can kind of, it's shown, you can kind of get by with average offensive line play if you have an elite quarterback and an elite weapons to make plays down the field. Um, so that we're going to talk about weapons a little later in today's show, um, but the Colts have to get better at those areas.
0: When you look at the Bengals' weapons, Chap, I don't think that there's a, you there's there's not a clear-cut better group than theirs in the NFL. Their, their receiver, Jamar Chase, starts with them. But then you have after him, you have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Zoma are all really good. And then Joe Mixon is a great weapon out of the backfield, too. Um, so if the Rams are able to put up points, which they have this year, uh, the Bengals are certainly right behind them. Both these defenses are good defenses, but uh, but this could be, I think it could be a really a, a thrilling game if you like points being scored.
1: Yeah, I mean, can, can, the, the, my main question is, can the Bengals' offensive line keep the Rams off of them? Right, was it Tennessee got to him for nine, and
0: they still beat Tennessee, and he still, still yeah. beating
1: them. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I think if the Rams get to him for nine nine sacks, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lopsided game. But we were, t- and we'll get into it a little bit later on. And, and this isn't to disparage Michael Pittman at all. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Where would he rank in the Bengals depth chart? He wouldn't be one. And you could argue he wouldn't be two either. Were, were he and T, T Higgins both taken like
0: T Higgins Pitt, was thirty two, right? Pittman was thirty three, right the, after. And the Colts probably would have taken or Higgins. And and, excuse and me. And the
1: Colts would have taken Higgins had they had they not gotten Pittman. So, and that's not a knock on Pittman. It just shows you the depth in the not the depth, the quality depth yeah. at the position. And that's why I think if you're a Colts fan and you look at these rosters or, or other rosters at like Tampa, whatever. The, the lack of playmakers. Joe and I were talking also. The Colts have, they've got so much money invested in positions, not prime positions when you're building a team. You know, whether it's a edge pass rusher, whether whether it's a, it's a stud receiver, left tackle. And uh, th- that's why it, it's really interesting to see how these teams were built and how the Colts have taken more of a, more of a gradual, let's do this thing the, the right way and stick to our guns type of thing. It's going to be very interesting to see if, not if, because they have to, how they're going to change their approach this offseason because I I totally buy into how Ballard wants to do it, mm-hmm. but there are times that you have to deviate from from your basic principles.
0: And I think that's, uh, you, we, we've seen kind of the evidence that Jim Irsay wants Chris Bauer to deviate from his basic principles with some of the videos that he's posted to Twitter. Here's just this my off-season. checkbook. Jim. Exactly. Use it. Uh, and, and so so when Jim Ursay says all chips are on the table, I don't know if he necessarily means trade away every first round pick like the Rams had over uh, an eight year stretch. But it, it's it, it he he's he's they're kind of counterbalancing each other. I think him and Bauer chap and where the Colts will land is probably somewhere in the middle. It's not going to be it's not going to be the Rams. It's not going to be what the Colts have done in the past. So, this could be and should be, Joe, a very intriguing offseason when you look at those two guys and where exactly they're going to meet in terms of shaping this roster for next year.
2: Yeah, and the Colts, I mean, once again, ranking the top 10 in terms of salary cap space. Uh, last I checked, it was between 40 and 43 million. And, you know, we talked about defensive ends last week. There are quite a few solid options to be out there. Of course, you know, team, there's time for teams to resign mm-hmm. their guys, franchise tags to be applied, so the list will be dwindled down a little bit. Um, we'll also talk today about these pass catchers, and there's quite a few to discuss. So the Colts are going to have opportunities to get better if they're willing to spend the money.
0: Let me say this. The Bengals made a move on a uh, pass rusher last offseason, Trey Hendrickson, that we discussed right here in the studio. He had a breakout year last year for the New Orleans Saints and then uh, they, he got a big contract, like four or five years, $60 million. And he got another 13, 14 sacks this year for the Bengals. Been certainly a very key cog to, to that defensive side of the ball. And he's kept it up in the playoffs, yep. too. So he's been well worth it. So who you got? Who you got? Rams, Bengals. Joe, start with you, Mike. Then, uh, then I'll put uh, uh, pen to paper, so to speak.
2: My my <laughs> brain says the Rams, but my heart says the Bengals. And my money's on the Bengals, too. Oh, your money says the Bengals, okay. <laughs> I, I think. Where your treasure is, your Burrow? heart will be also. Joe Burrow has too much swag. Aaron Donald's just going to bounce right off of him. <laughs> and Cincinnati's playing for Harambe. So between those two <laughs> factors, it's the Bengals game to lose.
1: Chap, I don't know how you follow that. Other than to say I expect the Rams to win, okay. <laughs> I I, I, do, I do think that, again, Burrow was fun to watch. You know, what was it? He tore the two two ligaments in his knee in November, was it?
2: Yeah, November of last mean, year.
1: That, that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. But I just I think they're going to have trouble with with that Rams defense in, in the front that they are, and you, there were two or three plays that Burrow made in the AFC Championship game that he just made off just pure ability, and I don't know that he can keep doing that. I, I just think the Rams have too much. I think it's be a fun game, but I, the Rams just have too much on defense and and and. and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford are a great tandem. Mm-hmm. They're going to put points up.
0: My wife and her family are from the St. Louis area, so if they knew that I was picking the Rams, I would be uh, kicked out of the house. So I have to pick the Bengals. I'm alongside with Joe on this one, uh, if uh, not with not with my head, certainly with my heart, and uh, so that's, that's my pick.
2: The Bengals just got the mojo going. I mean, the Rams squeaked by San Francisco, squeaked mm-hmm. by Tampa Bay. The Bengals just seem like they're infallible. Uh-huh. Uh, they just... I I don't know. I mean, both teams, I think it's going to be a good game, um, entertaining game. It's finally a Super Bowl where, you know, freaking Tom Brady's not in it. I don't have to root heavily (laughs) against one team or or another. I'll be happy whatever team wins.
0: You and Colts fans everywhere. Hey, the Colts aren't in the Super Bowl, but Frank Reich is heading out to L.A. combating sex trafficking, sex trafficking, sex trafficking is What it is, which is uh, often uh, highlighted around major events. Uh, his nonprofit Not Today works to prevent child sexual abuse and exploitation. Uh, we encourage you certainly to donate to the cause at Not Today. That's n k o t org. Joe, that's right. n k o t today.org. So, you know, certainly you know what's cool that.
1: about it is when, when th- th- at this level these guys have platforms mm-hmm. and w- Frank's is is so commendable, and uh, it's just great to see these guys go nationally and and just use the form that they've gotten. And what Frank does is, is that he and his wife is outstanding. I hope people support it as much as they can.
0: AFC South has some coaches, y'all. Jacksonville and Houston and Indy each made some significant coaching hires this past week. Obviously, we start with the Colts on this show as they hired Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator. 55 years old. He was the Raiders DC last year. The uh, Raiders did not have uh, the best defensive year. They were 26th in the league in points allowed. Uh, He was former head coach in Jacksonville, former defensive coordinator with the Chargers, uh, former defensive coordinator with the Seahawks, where he led the Legion of Boom squad there in the uh, early 20, uh, 2010s chap, when you heard Gus Bradley, I don't think it was a surprise for sure. He's been a name that was kind of on the radar of several people, several reporters. And uh, in a similar system, similar scheme, even though not entirely the same as what Matt Ibriflu brought. So what do you think Colts fans should expect from Gus Bradley's defense uh, next year and moving forward?
1: Well, Different. I mean, again, he they're going to get away really from the cover two to more, what he called a Hawk three or the cover three with variations. And, but it's going to come down, it's going to come down to players. It, will, will they have the pass rush from pay they need it? What he calls his Leo position. And, uh, and we'll see – schemes are great. Schemes are outstanding. It's a player's league. Do, do they have – the thing is, if they get Blackman back, they've probably got the safeties to run this defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willis but,
2: up front and Blackman in the back. Correct.
1: So, I just, I just think it's interesting that they've got the people. It, and it, it's always it's always kind of cool to, to have – to be at the introductory press conference with these guys because Gus brought the energy. Mm-hmm. He did a great presence. And he's had success everywhere as a coordinator. I'll qualify that. Head coaching, not so much. But who
0: has success with the Jaguars, though?
1: He's probably like top three or four with, the, with those 14 career wins.
0: Doug Marone has had the most success. Syracuse's <laughs> own Doug Marone has had the most success.
1: So, but, but, again, everywhere he's been. He, he, and he, Tom Coughlin, Syracuse's own correct. Tom there Coughlin. Go, has gosh, had, here we no, go. I'm just saying. Are we, are no, we sponsored saying. by something from Syracuse? <laughs> I don't know what it is. We should be. But, but, again, I think he brings a lot of energy. And it, it, it's – it almost got to the point. In again, I don't want to besmirch Flus at all, but people, the fan base, were ready for some kind of a change. You know, to to to, to have brought this thing back and say, well, we're going to tweak this, that, and the other. When there were, you know, the the, the pass rush was an issue, getting off the field was an issue on third down and fourth quarter. Protecting the fourth quarter leads was a problem, mm-hmm. three or four games. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. He's going to bring in his own staff because. Most of Flusa's staff is in Chicago with him, right? And I think we're going to see most of, or a good portion of, Bradley's Raiders staff mm-hmm. here in the next few days, probably. So, but I, I'm I'm encouraged by it, and we it, it's all there's always a, 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 a an uptick. Mm-hmm. when you have a new face in, in, in the room. So i uh, kind of encouraged and interested to see how it's going to be.
0: Joe, I mentioned the Raiders' defense wasn't great last year, only 26th in points allowed, but you point out here that it's actually an improvement than they were two years ago before Bradley was there. He actually made the defense a little bit better than he uh, than they were before in his first year as defensive coordinator in Vegas.
2: Yeah, they were previously 30th in points, so they, they crept up a little bit there, 29th in sacks. They were 20th last year. 25th in yards or 14th in yards. So you know three very Across the major, board, yeah, major categories. And that's just,
1: one, and that's just in one year.
2: Yeah, well, you yeah.
1: know it, take, it normally takes you a couple of years to get to get everybody to buy in.
2: So that, that that's encouraging. I'm encouraged by the hire. You know, I, I don't think all of a sudden the defense is going to be just magically better. I don't think scheme, even though it's not that different from Eberflus, even if it was, I don't think scheme magically makes the defense better. Like Mike says, it's going to come down to the players and um, do they get the improvements at the key positions they need?
0: Certainly, be nice to have Julian Blackman healthy, like you said, because yes. that is certainly an important position in And, and they need defense. that
1: that, that sidekick to, to Quiddy Pay to step up. You mm-hmm. know, Dio. Uh, you know, who's the third guy going to be? Uh, not knowing who they're going to bring back, but you hope Taekwon Lewis comes back and gives them something. But the edge pass rush has been a problem and will be a problem until it's not.
0: The Jacksonville Jaguars hired former Philadelphia Eagles coach Doug Peterson to be their new head coach. Of course, Peterson and Reich have uh, plenty of history together, as Frank Reich was offensive coordinator in Philly for two years, including the Super Bowl championship team. And Carson Wentz spent his first five seasons under Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. So it's a, it's all connected. It's all coming together. And uh, every, every, people are talking about, I mean, Frank Reich's... Um, whatever coaching tree is kind of growing with Eberflus getting his and Sirianni getting his like Peterson, of course, was before Reich. Coaching trees go back forever. It's all from the Andy Reid coaching tree before then. And then the Mike Holmgren coaching tree before then, and the Bill Walsh before then. So I think that's kind of the, the, the way that they've gone, but uh, they're kind of keeping it all in the family there. Doug Peterson. I don't think I'm surprised to see a Super Bowl winning coach uh, come back uh, chap and get another job in the league after taking a year off
1: probably not the greatest hire for Colts fans because this gives Trevor Lawrence a chance to, to, you know, cause I, I've always wondered his rookie year was it beneficial with the way that things went in, in, in Jacksonville? Was it better? Was it good to, to have played even though there was, there was so little growth in, in direction and in guidance that helped play. So I, I think this is going to be a great move for Trevor Lawrence But it's still Jacksonville, and and until they show that they're not Jacksonville, you know. But but I think Peterson gives them a chance.
0: Houston hired defensive coordinator Lovey Smith as a head coach. That just seemed like a weird coaching Joe uh, search process that they went through. It's like, oh yeah,
2: we have Lovey Smith. I guess we'll just promote him after interviewing like ten other guys. Just
1: not
0: that impressed with anyone else.
1: Did didn't I hear that the the fire alarm went off during his press conference oh great which you think oh really i think it was been going off for the last four or five years <laughs> uh but it's <laughs> so
2: it just it just feels like he's gonna be the sacrificial lamb they're just gonna have another terrible season they'll fire him after next year and get someone else just, I, I feel bad for him i mean speaking of coaching trees correct me if i'm wrong but i believe lovey smith was from tony dungy's uh coaching tree um, I believe they were both in Tampa at one time, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it does nothing to really make me more scared. Uh, not that I was really scared to begin with of Houston. Well,
1: then, uh, then also, uh, Tennessee, they, they extended Mike Vrabel. Yes. So, you know, of all the places that, you know, the, the, the division leader and the team that's kind of been the bully has sort of stabilized things there. NFL
0: Honors airs live Thursday evening February 10th, 9 p.m. by the time a lot of you listen to this you'll probably this will probably be already in the past um, but nevertheless if you're listening to it today it'll be later this evening. Um, Individual awards, Pro Football Hall of Fame class is going to be announced. Reggie Wayne, of course, one of the nominees for this Hall of Fame class. Uh, Let's run down the list here of honors. MVP is kind of the creme de la creme of the honors handed out tonight. Uh, Mike, who would be your pick? Who would be your prediction uh, for uh, the NFL's MVP award?
1: Rodgers. I'll give it to Rodgers. I think his season was just off the charts. I realize Tom Brady will get some push. And I, it's it's crazy. I saw at the Pro Bowl somebody wrote out that they did a survey of players at the Pro Bowl on who should be the MVP, and it was Jonathan Taylor. And players now. <laughs> I've always taken this stance, and, and send your hate mail to the station, not to me. I, I I've never believed that an MVP can come from a team that didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's just me.
0: That I'm I'm on pair, on board with you completely. Um, Joe, any any differences of opinion? No, I mean it, my prediction would be like, Rodgers. No. Yeah, I mean uh, no. if the
2: Colts had just beaten Jacksonville, I could make a strong case for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the Col- take Taylor away from this team, they might have won like four or five games uh, for being realistic because he just carried them through so many games.
0: Yeah, take take Rodgers away from the from the Packers and how many games do they win either? They still have I mean, that's have a the much same thing. Stronger after
2: roster. I mean Jordan Love almost beat the Chiefs um when he got <coughs> one Excuse start me. so um uh, but fair i fair point but fair aaron Rodgers is, is is i would say just as good a quarterback as jonathan taylor is a running back mm-hmm. and had a great year and i think he's going to win the award
0: aaron Rodgers probably all three of our picks for NF uh, nfl mvp offensive player of the year this is going to come get down to either jonathan taylor or cooper cup guys it's going to be one of those two undeniably joe i'm
2: going to be pissed if Cooper Cup. I love Cooper Cup. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. (laughs) your boy. boy. He's my boy. But Jonathan Taylor deserves it. He had more yards and touchdowns than Cup. Um, And I think his position is more difficult. Yeah.
0: So it's more difficult to gain yards as a running back than it is a wide receiver. I think if if you look at the top over the last 10 years, especially if you take the average top 10 wide receivers and running backs, this is just me spitballing that the top wide receivers would be more – productive in terms of yards gained i don't know about touchdowns that would be an interesting discussion but uh chap do you do you think uh it's do, would you lean 60 40 one way is it 50 50 what do you think between those two
1: if i had a vote which i don't which that's another program since indy doesn't have a vote in the ap selection mm-hmm. process. Sure. my vote goes to jonathan taylor it just does and i think cooper cup wins it i, I, I think th- super bowl no because the voting was this done a, before the, right. the voting was done before that I just think near the end of the season, I think there got to be a a more of a groundswell for Cooper cup. I just do the glamor and they're putting points up and all that. I, I just think that's going to be the case, but if Jonathan Taylor gets it, which he could, he'll be only the second Colt to be offensive player of the year with Peyton Manning in 2004. So, uh, I think he deserves it, but I think Cooper Cup gets it. That's just, just my gut feeling.
0: Next Defensive Player of the Year, the uh, the Aaron Donald Memorial Defensive Player of the Year Award. Is, does anybody, uh, Joe, knock him off the off his peg this year? Is it TJ Watts to win now?
2: I think it's TJ Watts. Hey. I mean, with 22 and a half sacks. Yeah. I think he, he five force fumbles, two or three recoveries, and. With an injury. With mm-hmm. an injury, yeah. He missed a couple games, played through injury, and um, he had. Uh, a, Several, I can't remember, seven, something like that batted down passes as well. So uh, just absolute stud. And uh, Donald might still be the best player in the NFL, but I think T.J. Watt had the better year.
0: Darius Leonard, of course, with eight forced fumbles, four interceptions, three fumble fumble recoveries, had a pretty good year. And he's—I'm sure he will have bulletin board material when he's not <laughs> defensive player of the year again, or or the top five voting. Oh uh, yeah, or he probably won't be. He might not be. Uh, maybe he should be top five voting. You could certainly argue that. But, I, but chap, you agree that it's T.J. Watts for this season?
1: I, I do. <laughs> It's—I'd like to have been at the at, at the table when these guys were ten, eleven years old at the Watt household. What did Mrs. Watt feed these kids? Right. Because there's a third Watt. did not he a fullback with the Steelers? Yep, yep. It's, it's unbelievable. And they're not just playing. Wasn't wasn't J.J. Watt a three-time player of the year? Two times? Might be. It
0: was at least two, I
1: think. I think he won it three times. I think yeah. it was a three-time. It's, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. But, but again, the fact that T.J. Watt did what he did. Yes, it was a, a 17-game season, but, again, he missed at least one game. And he fought through a groin injury, too, so... I think he does get it.
0: Offensive, defensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase certainly had a great season for the Bengals. Uh, anybody stand out to you besides Jamar?
2: No. He's I mean, guy. Waddle would have gotten it most years, but he entered the season with Jamar Chase. So mm-hmm. Or
1: Pitts, the tight end. Pitts had, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. There are several very impressive rookies, but yeah. none more impressive than Chase. How about that
0: defensive week? player of the year? Parsons, mm-hmm. easy. I mean, he's, yeah.
2: he, he's, he might be ahead of Leonard in voting for... Uh, just defensive player, not defensive rookie.
0: Dallas Cowboys. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh. As 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 a, as a someone who grew up in Philadelphia, I've had enough of that in my life. But uh, comeback player of the year, a uh, couple of good ones. We Joe already talked about him. We, we already <laughs> talked about him. You, you like Joe? Joe Burrow. I was gonna say it's Joe. Yeah. It's
1: amazing that it, it's, it's almost unanimous, Joe Burrow. But oh, by the way, Dak Prescott tore yeah. up his ankle right but i think burrow gets it i, I do think burrow gets it because the voting was done to where a point that the Bengals were having such a strong finish mm-hmm. i think he does get it yeah yeah
0: coach of the year um a lot of great options as always sean McVay's gonna i think get some real consideration for uh for what they did in the best division in football out there in the nfc west um andy Reid and the chiefs finished really strong um, when you always look at those top seeds, you know, and both, and um, so so that brings. So um, the
2: voting was done before the playoffs.
1: It was think, done near the end of December. I think. I think before yeah. the. Okay, I think yeah. Vrabel gets it then. I think. I think Vrabel. Vrabel. They lost Derrick Henry. Yeah. And I, I remember. And AJ back, Brown and Julio. And I remember back when they lost Henry, we were all thinking, "Boy, that opens the door for the Colts. It's going to be a tough sledding," and they never really got a sniff. Mm-hmm. That uh, he did a really good job of, of compensating for not having last year's offensive player of the year.
0: It's a good point. That is a good point. I, like they'd already they are already out of my mind because like we're in the Super Bowl now, so I didn't even wasn't even thinking Tennessee, and that, that's can't do that. Cool. Hall of Fame. This is Reggie Wayne's third year being one of 15 modern era finalists for the uh, for the honor. He's reached the final 10 in uh, last year's voting process uh wayne and jerry rice are the only two players in nfl history in the top 10 in catches and yards in both the regular season and postseason pretty good company there
1: we'll see how it goes again this will come out tonight and being on the selection committee i know who the five guys are Mm -hmm. and i can't tell you you can blink I I i can blink yeah but then you guys may go blab because you can see me blinking. You know me, so yeah, I know. So I don't, I don't trust any of you guys. So, but it, it's you know one of these years. Maybe this is year for Reggie. Uh, if if not, then soon. It's, it, it's really, uh, it, it, it's funny. We were again. We were talking. We were back out at the Colts complex uh, yesterday for Gus Bradley's interview. And We were talking Hall of Fame stuff. And I was talking to these guys. I pre- I present the local guys because I'm the local media guy. But if you ranked, if you ranked Colt Hall of Famers, you know, in my mind, it's, it's Peyton, Marvin, Edgeron, and then Reggie. But from from pure stat resume wise, I I can make a stronger argument for Reggie than I could for Edrin. Mm-hmm. just because of the postseason reggie's postseason is is like i said there, there's two players that w- w- when i gave the presentation i said reggie's defining stat is he's one of only two players to rank top 10 in both regular season and postseason yards and catches it's reggie and jerry rice you know i mean two guys the jerry rice yeah the the, yeah, the, 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 the guy so We'll see how it goes, and and, uh, if if not this year, then hopefully next year.
0: When you run down the modern era finalists, Joe, there's obviously a lot of great players. you got Reggie Wayne, um, other good wide receivers like Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson in his first year of eligibility. Devin Hester, who's more of a kick returner, of course. Um, On defense, DeMarcus Ware, Jared Allen, Richard Seymour, Bryant Young, all on the defensive line. Um, Linebackers, Patrick Willis, Zach Thomas, Sam Mills, Uh, And in the secondary, Rondé Barber, Leroy Butler, the only member of the 1990s uh, All-NFL team for that decade who is not in the Hall of Fame yet. And offensive tackles Willie Anderson, Tony Baselli, a lot of guys who had good, strong careers there. So it's not, like, it, it's not, it's not a class that's going to be five or six years from now when you get Tom Brady, Adrian Peterson, Rob Gronkowski, like we Big were talking ben. about last week, Big Ben, and uh, and what's his name, Jason Peters. But uh, but but it's a solid class for sure. Out of all these uh, these fifteen guys,
2: it is. I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting class. It's got a lot of guys who none of these guys stand out, and you go, oh, he's going to make it for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you there. The only one that my mind that, that did going into our discussion was DeMarcus Ware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's he's the one you think, yeah, boy, he's had a, he had a hell of a career.
2: Dominated for a while with multiple teams. And this
1: is his first year of eligibility, DeMarcus Ware. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. If I had to pick, I'd probably go Ware, Wayne, uh, Devin Hester, just because he's I think he's the best to ever do it as a kick returner. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Jared Allen. Jared Allen was not too far behind mm-hmm. DeMarcus Ware. And then um, I think it's Tory Holt's time, too. So mm-hmm. that's probably what I'd go with.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like Ware for sure. I like um, I do like Leroy Butler because I, I keep bringing up that stat. And I've done this before on this show that like every member of every all decade team in the NFL all the way back, as long as it goes, is in the Hall of Fame. And Leroy Butler's the only one who's not in the Hall of Fame, who is Hall of Fame eligible now. So obviously, Tom Brady was the member of the all-decade team in the 2000s uh, or the 2010s, um, whichever one it was. I forget which one it was. Maybe he was both. Maybe Peyton Manning was for the 2000s. I forget. I forget. But anyway, Leroy Butler's on my list, along with Demarcus Ware. Those two for sure to me. Um, like, I thought Patrick Willis was really good. His career was short, though. I thought Tony Pacelli was really good. His career was obviously short, though. And um and, 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 and I'll throw Reggie Wayne in there as well because I, I think Chap would kick me out of here if I didn't. And and I really do think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, so like, I think those five are like, it, it, you can argue for all these guys, which makes chap your job really difficult. And it can be contentious, I'm sure, at times among some people who who really have the, these these affinities for these players. So um, so we will see what happens Thursday night. And we'll certainly have a big, bigger discussion of it next week uh, when we know exactly who is going to be in this next class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's get to our positional breakdown for this week. We're talking wide receivers, tight end, the pass catchers for the Colts. Um, The good news is Michael Pittman Jr. looks really good. Uh, He's in his second year, certainly took some steps forward. It was not a perfect season by any stretch, but he topped 1,000 receiving yards. He had 88 catches, six touchdowns is not too shabby. Um, One Colt not named Reggie Wayne or T.Y. Hilton surpassed 1,000 receiving yards since Dallas Clark in 2009. That's it. That's Michael Pittman Jr. So 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 I think you saw a lot that you like from Pittman. I think there were flashes of inconsistency that – uh, for sure, will have to be dealt with like the Bucks game comes to mind was just not a good game for him. But uh, overall, when you look at the start to the finish of the year, I think that you're you're if you're if you're Frank Reich or if you're Chris Ballard, you're very happy with what Pittman has brought and you are very confident in his position on this team. Whether it's one or a two, there we can get some, into some discussion, but you're very confident in his position on this roster for the next five years, ten years, hopefully, down the road. Yeah, well,
2: he, he established himself as a good receiver in the NFL if he takes a similar jump from year one uh, to year two. In the next season, mm-hmm. from year two to year three, he will establish himself as a star wide receiver in the NFL. So it's just all about how much better can he get.
1: Well, and, and two, he did this without a lot of help and with an inconsistent quarterback. And, and as the season went on, the help got to be less and less and the quarterback play got to be a lot more inconsistent. So that's really more impressive. And, and the stat that I haven't, unfortunately, looked down this all, all that much, but it, Joe, the, Joe mentioned that they, it was the first time since 1988 that they didn't have two receivers with over 385 yards. That's just – that's That's crazy. You know, I understand spreading spreading it out and all that, but that, that's a little bit too much. So they they need help. And the question is, can you get that help in the second round, third round? Maybe. But I think this is a year that Jim Irsay tells Chris Ballard, we need to spend money on a veteran wide receiver.
0: The fact that if you told me before the season that, uh, that Zach Paschal was your number two receiver behind uh, behind Michael Pittman Jr. I'd be like, all right, that's cool, that's that's good for Zach. He, he's taking steps every uh, every 60 year. Sixty
1: catches or whatever. Yeah, I would like,
0: be like, oh great, we we like Zach in in here. But then if you told me uh, Zach Paschal is only going to have three hundred eighty five receiving yards, I'd be like, what? And the T and
1: the Ty thing just didn't work. No, it didn't. It, d- it didn't and it didn't work from the the the, the end of training camp when he go, goes down on his back and they need he needs, he needs <laughs> neck surgery so. It did. Uh, we, I think a lot of us were in favor of the move at the time. It just didn't work.
0: When you're talking tight ends, too, there was a game or two where Jack Doyle was prominent. Uh, I think there was, like, one game he had, like, six or seven catches. But Mo Alley-Cox flashed here and there. wasn't anything but consistent. Kylan Granson never really made it in his rookie year. Like, you saw him from time to time. He had one nice catch and run. I think it was against the, uh, the Jets in that home Thursday night game. That sticks out to me, but... Um, but you didn't get you didn't get anything of substance. And this and this is a team that
1: that uses tight ends. Yeah, and they want tight ends involved. You know, I'm not saying Eric Ebron type seasons because be nice. It'll be nice, but that that was an aberration. But I thought this was one of the least effective, productive seasons by tight ends this team's had in a long time.
0: So the current wide receivers under contract. There's a whole lot more than were uh, on the defensive end that we talked last year, uh, last week, last year. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is under contract for two more years. Paris Campbell is under contract for one more year. Dez Patman under contract for two more years. Mike Strawn under contract for three more years. Then you get beyond them and you have DeMichael Harris and Kiki Kuti under reserve future contracts. At tight end, Jack Doyle has one more year, but he is strongly considering retirement, as we all know, at age 31. Kylan Granson just drafted this year, so he has three more years under his deal. Farad Green as a reserve future contract. Uh, with expiring contracts, guys who are set to become free agents: T. Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Ashton Doolin. Though he is a restricted free agent, he will be, and I'm sure the Colts bring him back because of his special teams uh, acumen. And Mo Ali Cox. Those are the those are the players right there, uh, Joe. When you look at that, it's it's not you you can't go into a season. I mean, you can't go into a season with with this. Uh, Even if you wanted to bring back T.Y. Hilton, which I don't think you really do, uh, and T.Y.'s probably going to retire is what we're all leaning toward anyway, there needs to be some outside blood coming in here for sure to this group to try to give it a little bit of a shot in the arm.
2: And you don't want to go into the draft having to fill needs. Uh, So you got to sign some some kind of players in free agency, whether that be star players, role players, guys that are just depth. I mean, you you don't want to go into the draft and be going, okay, we have to draft wide receivers, so no matter who's there in round two or three or whatever it might be. Um, So I do think the Colts are going to sign some pass-catching weapons um, and I think they need to have both wide receiver and tight end. The degree and how much they spend is up for debate, and we'll debate that here in a second. But I think the Colts are going to make some moves.
0: Chap, when you look at the guys who are free agents here, if we say T.Y. Hilton probably retiring, Doolin probably coming back, Mo Cox, I don't know. He might be worth more to you than others. I don't know if anybody else will give him a flyer out there. Somebody might look at him and... And give him I an offer. I think he'd but, get
2: signed somewhere. Yeah. But what kind of role? I yeah, mean. I don't
0: know what what, what role. Like, you, it's not certainly not a must sign here. And then Zach Pascal is the one that's I think kind of a question mark because, like I said, he took steps every year of his career until this last year. And Chris Ballard has said some very very glowing things about Zach Pascal that he really does like him a lot. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see Zach Pascal get re-signed here, but none of these guys, I think, are must-re-signed when Chris Bauer is looking at his list of things to do this offseason.
1: Yeah, they had, like, was it 24, 25, 26 free agents, and none of them would say, boy, we we just have to target this guy. A lot of me like to have back. I I, I do think they bring Pasco back. I do think they bring Mo'Ali Cox back on their dime, on, on, on their value. Because you're you're right. I, I was. It, it did strike me where in our season ended with Chris Ballard, he mentioned Zach. He, he they, they like him, and I I think they consider the overall passing game being ineffective was more a reflection of the quarterback play than it was the receiver play. Although I, I think they both entered into it because I think there were games that Zach had some drops that were just really uncharacteristic of him. But I, I think they value him. I think, like you mentioned, I, I think this team values these guys more than the open market will. With E. Cox, you have to decide, is is this him? I mean, he, you know, for the last couple of years, well, he's been growing into the position, growing into the position. But is, is, it, is this what he is now? And if so, is that enough? You know, it, it, like you said, there's always flashes, but, boy, you need consistency. And where do you find – the blue collar do everything consistency. That seven point seven yards per catch Jack Doyle gives you. Mm-hmm. We sort of laugh at that. <laughs> there's there's value to to, mm-hmm. to what he does. There yeah. just is, and he was their best blocking tight end. Go back and look at some of Jonathan Taylor's runs, and that's Jack Doyle sealing off one side. So, uh, pass catching yes, but they need that that blocking tight end as well. And maybe that's easier to find than a pass catching tight end. But they need this is the one area, one area, tight ends and receivers, they've got to address in the offseason. They we'll, just have
0: to. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss uh, more draft options later in some other podcast Joe. but I will say that I fired up the Pro Football Focus draft simulator one time and sitting for me there at 47th overall with Purdue's own David Bell, and I scooped him right up. So... I think there's a lot of people in Central Indiana who would love to see Mr. Warren Central and Purdue Boilermaker right here in Indianapolis, too.
2: You can probably say this over the past several years, but it's another deep year at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just get good athletes who can catch the ball in rounds two and three in just about every single draft.
1: Fine, fine. D- then get a guy in the second and third round. But like you said, bring in a veteran, too. You, you cannot go into the season with this group and a second or a third round pick saying, you know, I think that, I think this fixes, us. can't do it.
2: Well, and you, you can't have too many good wide receivers. I mean, the Bengals are three deep. The Rams are three deep. Like, you, you need three good wide deep. receivers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Colts are one deep. So, uh, y- even if you do sign somebody, they should draft someone as well. Um, in terms of free agency, fellas, I kind of think this team's philosophy, they're probably going to prioritize a tight end before they would a wide receiver if there's a guy they like um zach Ertz, zach Ertz Zachary. is out there i mean there, there, there's a few um good tight ends this year do you guys want to start at wide receiver or yeah let will start at wide
0: receiver and then we'll, we'll get to tight end i think free agent wide receiver there's certainly some bigger splashes when you look across the league at wide receiver and and there's none bigger or no bigger catch this offseason season pun intended, than Devontae Adams out of Green Bay. These are cannonball
1: splashes is what these are.
0: Yes. Devontae will be 29 by the start of next season. The last two years, he has nearly 3,000 yards receiving and 30 touchdowns, and he has 238 catches. He is first on Pro Pro Football Focus's board of best free agents, number one, and his contract possession pro projection would be four years, somewhere around $92, dollars. So that would be
1: a hefty, hefty. It, k- it won't be from here. No,
0: not not that much. Not for a wide receiver, we don't think. When uh, when Mike uh, when not Mike when uh, Jimmer is saying all chips are down. Those chips might be a little bit too hefty. And also, Joe, uh, there's some speculation that Devontae Adams will want to go, at least wherever Aaron Rodgers goes this offseason. So you know, where, wherever uh, Rodgers goes, we think has the inside scoop. How in scoop.
1: the heck are they, is a team possibly going to afford each one of them? I'm not talking writing a check for them. I'm talking m- managing your cap to where you can get both of these these elite players uh, yep. in, in your cap. It's a good
0: question, I I don't know, I, that's that's why I'm sitting here talking to you guys. Yeah, if,
2: I, if I knew, I'd, I'd be, be sitting there talking to Chris Ballard right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jeez, <laughs>
0: um, but but Joe, you look after after Devonte Adams, and I think there's a slew of guys, at least three or four, uh, that that are all pretty good wide receivers. That if they're not at all world Devontae Adams level, they're still pro bowl caliber players that are up for up for grabs this offseason i'll let you kind of uh, direct the discussion where where you are, are are intrigued by among this group
2: yeah there's several guys here where their contract projections are around 16 to 17 million per year kind of the top of the list is chris godwin from tampa bay and i think if the colts do want to make a splash i think godwin's a guy i think he'd fit in this offense the best another couple guys are mike williams and alan robinson but those guys just kind of seem like the same player as Michael Pittman Jr. to me. I think the Colts kind of need a guy with a little more speed and who can create more separation to complement the 6'4, 220 Michael Pittman Jr. Um, you know, maybe you could talk me into Alan Robinson. He's 29, Mike Williams 27, Chris Godwin 26. I know he just tore the ACL in mid December. Um, but it, it, he's someone you would sign to a long-term contract, and I think he could be a stud number one wide receiver for you for a while.
0: Yeah, the, the types of wide receivers is always a really interesting, interesting discussion, and, and I and I agree with you that that having a like having a wide range of guys is is, is very is beneficial. I think you certainly have to include the tight end in those uh, talks as well, and exactly how you want to attack defenses. And if you use the tight end really to attack the middle of the field, I think like a lot of teams do, and like we've seen Frank Reich do in the past when he had capable tight ends, I don't think it's necessarily like an out of the question that the Colts go two really big guys on the outside, you know. If they, they have Michael Pittman on one side and they still have Allen Robinson or, or, or Mike Williams on the other. I, I, like I said, I, I don't want to sound like I'm disagreeing with you, Joe, and I think Chris Godwin would be a very good addition for sure. But I, I just don't want to completely discount the fact that there would be two guys on the outside, Mike, especially if they want to attack the middle of the field with, with a tight end in particular instead of necessarily a quote-unquote slot ride receiver and, and, and do it that way.
1: I think they're going to get away from the T.Y. Hilton-type mm-hmm. guys. I just do. Although, if you get the two big guys on the outside and your tight ends, then, then maybe that slot guy is a smaller guy. Although, you have
0: Naheem Hines, too,
1: that maybe you want to try yeah. to expand his role. I don't know. I don't I'm know surprised. better
0: if you're playing him $5 million a year.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> and, and, and I'm still him, not happy with that contract. Yeah. <laughs> and, and giving him three, three or four carries a game. Yeah. But, but, but again, and, and you've got the Paris Campbell, who is such a wild card that – you, you cannot go into next year. I, this is a stance I had last year, expecting anything from Paris Campbell. Yep. You have to almost take the, the fatalistic approach, which isn't fair to him, I suppose. But uh, that, that's why I say I, jo, Joe's better at, at dissecting this than me. I, I'm looking more when at these at the salary projections. And what do I think Chris Ballard's grunt level is on a salary? <laughs> You know the annual fifteen. I, we were talking that I think the biggest salaries given right now is ten million to Devin Funches, which
2: well Philip Rivers got nearly. No, no, for I'm, one. I'm I'm talking receiver. Whoa, wide. Receiver, I'm, I'm talking yeah, wide yeah. receiver.
1: Uh, and, and, and I keep going back to to this isn't just a Chris Ballard issue. This is going back to Ryan Grixon. Their luck at finding a veteran, not their luck because they never really haven't invested that much, but what they've gotten from the free agent market at the position. Still to this day, the bar for success is Donnie Avery in 2012. I'm wincing right now. Well, I, that I know, but but that's that he he he's had the best season of a veteran receiver that got on the market, and and that speaks of, of, of the ability of both of these regimes to bring in a guy. So again, again, the, this has got to be one where Jim Mursay steps up and says, "Listen, I, I understand what you, how you like to build teams, but we need help at defensive end." Mm-hmm. And doggone it, we need help at receiver slash tight end. I I, I would I would invest more in a, in a receiver. Mm-hmm. I I think I think Granson's got a chance to do something. I don't I don't know what, but I, I prioritize receiver over a tight end only slightly.
0: When you look at other receivers outside of that top group, Odell Beckham Jr. is there on that list. Of course, he's still playing right now. Uh, Michael Gallup from Dallas. Um, he was their number two wide receiver in 2019. Had over a thousand yards then. Uh, had 800 yards in 2020 as an uh, average is 15 yards per catch over his career. So Joe, he's that big, big play k- kind of guy that, that you're talking about, but really uh, injury riddled, torn ACL in January. So he's, he's a guy you could get on a bargain. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, but like, I, you, do you really want to go bargain hunting that that often? If you're really trying to make a splash, that's I guess a question you could ask too.
2: And another guy, Mike, were Mike and I were talking about Gallup before the show. He was like, is another guy where they're in the Eric Fisher type of mode. Do you do hope you
1: want to invest again on a guy coming off of an injury. Yeah. Hey, maybe by October we'll have this guy. I, I wouldn't. Because there's going to be other options, but no, Michael Gallup
2: was like my guy I had pinpointed before the injury, right? Because I think he brings this team exactly what they need from the wide receiver position. He's very talented, but he wouldn't break the bank for this team. Uh, contract projection is still four years, about thirteen million per year. Um, I think he's a talented wide receiver, but with the injury, I'm not sure how big of an impact he'll make in 2022 when the Colts really need to win now.
0: Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent wide receiver. He's only 25 years old, but also only had 129 yards last year. Uh, His best season was 2018, uh, and that's uh, his best season uh, without Antonio Brown was still pretty darn good. That was in 2020. Uh, He had 97 catches for 831 yards and nine touchdowns. That was certainly not a deep, big play, big threat uh, if you have – only 831 yards, Joe, on 97 catches. So he's a guy. Christian Kirk out of Arizona, big target. Uh, DJ Chark out of Jacksonville, who I was really high on a couple years ago until, like, we were just didn't see him all that much and broken an ankle, entered the season week four this year. That's why we didn't see him all that much. Uh, other free agent-wide receivers include uh, Will Fuller, uh, Notre Dame zone. Jameson Crowder, who's a really good slot receiver. I think very underrated slot receiver. And then uh, do we even need to discuss Antonio Brown on this show? <laughs> Do, do we need no. you? No, please, not. No. Okay, let's not. So, 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 from all those guys, is, is anybody really stick out?
1: You know, I I, I circled Christian Kirk because what we're going to do, we're we're going to get Christian Kirk, and he's going to bring Kyler Murray with him. There you go. What what, what what
0: did I see about the Kyler Murray deleted every reference to the Cardinals on his social media? And, or and nowadays,
1: like you don't do that. Dun dun dun. Mm. Uh, d- there's a reason you do it, and, and everyone outside makes a big deal out of it. So. See, see, in one fell swoop, they get their receiver and their quarterback.
0: If Kyler Murray comes here and an entire group of fans is not dressed as gingerbread men, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> the gingerbread section for Kyler Murray, make it happen.
2: I mean, that that would be a dream come true yeah, for yeah, the Colts yeah, this offseason. We're talking about Rodgers or Russell Wilson to get a guy that young, uh, still on a rookie contract. It ain't it, it happening. It, it ain't exactly. happening. It no, happen. no, it's, it's, it's not. not yeah. But
1: but that, that's what that's. That's what the offseason's about. It's exactly. about talking about things that aren't going to happen.
0: Exactly. Right. Amen. Free agent tight ends, uh, speaking of things
1: that aren't going to happen. Mike, like you said,
0: like it, it's, hard to, it's hard to cut bait on somebody that you really like, like a Kylan Granson that you drafted in the fourth round. So if, if they bring in somebody, which they certainly could— you don't want to have somebody that completely overshadows this guy that you like a whole lot. It's kind of the same strategy the Colts had at defensive end last year. And that's why Chris Ballard let Justin Houston walk and let Danico Autry walk, because they really wanted to see what the young guys that they really liked could do. Those guys didn't do all that well, to be perfectly honest. But still, like you have to have some kind of faith in the guys that you drafted to give them a little bit of a shot. Um, but nevertheless, there are some free agent tight ends out there that the Colts could take a swing at. Uh, Mike Gusecki, out of Miami, he'll be 26 next year, has 73 catches, 780 yards, has three straight seasons with 50 catches, has two straight seasons with 700-plus yards. Uh, Joe, you say four years, well, of course, Pro Football Focus has a four-year, like $14 million per year deal. That seems like a really lofty deal for a tight end to me, but at, maybe it's, it's, it's worth it, maybe. I think part
2: of that is the salary cap going up this year yeah. um and then also i mean mike gusecki is an athletic freak who in the right offense i think could get you a thousand yards per season um i'm personally i'd probably rather the Colts sign gusecki than a guy like Allen robinson or mike williams if, okay. you're, if you're gonna go get a big another big target um who's not gonna you know be a speed threat i'd rather go with a guy like mike gusecki and i think he'd be uh, you know, the new Eric Ebron, but with less drops.
1: What? what? And drama. Yeah, well, yes.
0: always less drama, for sure. I mean, go out and, and play golf after saying you couldn't play a, a, a game or whatever. I, whatever. Dalton Schultz uh, out of Dallas had uh, 78 catches, 800 yards, eight touchdowns last year. Pretty good numbers. Um I I think that Dallas is going to try to bring him back. He's a good, solid young player. But nevertheless, 60, uh, 60 catches, 600 yards, and back-to-back seasons is pretty darn good. Rob Gronkowski, I would bet that he is mulling retirement because uh, he can't play with his boy Tom anymore. As long as he doesn't go play with
2: Burrow. Did you see him talk about Burrow recently? Yeah, I
0: did, yeah. He was talking about Burrow. That would be a heck of a transition. Um, the Next name is certainly an interesting one, is Zach Ertz. Um, played for Arizona last year after the Eagles traded him out there. Finally, he'll be 31 next year. Um, caught 74 balls for 750 yards and five touchdowns last year. And it's it's always good if you're trying to improve a quarterback's play, if the Colts do hang on to Carson Wentz, to have a guy that you know he's comfortable with and that you know he likes. And you know, chap, that Carson Wentz likes Zach Ertz because they were very much in sync during their time in Philadelphia. When they were playing there together and both healthy,
1: and maybe, maybe more than that though. It, it, Frank Reich knows, knows him and likes Good him, point. And, and Frank's going to be here yeah. this year. We know we'll we'll see about Carson Wentz. No so. Matter who's going to be here. So yeah. it, it's it's we all we always try to connect the dots, and there was a lot of talk about Zach Ertz uh, early last year in the off season and training camp. So I I, w- I would not cross his name off the list of possibilities at all. Because we know again, like Joe said, it, they're going. They have to sign a tight end. They just have to. You can't go with a group you have or, or add a guy in the fifth or sixth round and think you can you, you can be well enough for that.
0: David and Joku and Evan Ingram are uh, slightly less productive than the guys we've talked uh, about already, but both are. Uh, are young athletic freaks like you're talking about earlier, Joe? Like with former the first round ball. picks. Exactly, both of them first round picks that are trying to find uh, better better footing elsewhere, and that's exactly what Eric Ebron was here in uh, in Indianapolis. To be fair, he did have Andrew Luck throwing him the ball um, at, at, that, that year. Yeah, that, that that'll help. That that'll certainly help. Uh, instead of, uh, he had Matthew Stafford before that and throwing him the ball, but, uh, but yeah, Matt, Andrew Luck was just, uh, the, the spark that he needed and Frank Reich was the spark that he needed. So, uh, other free agent tight ends include, uh, Gerald Everett, OJ Howard, Max Williams. Um, but yeah, a few
2: other guys, uh, Robert Tunyon, Hayden Hurst, CJ Uzama, CJ. Um, so th- there's quite a few names out there where the Colts could sign one of these guys and have an upgrade. Uh, at least receiving at tight end. I don't think any guys have the blocking prowess as a Jack Doyle.
0: Right, and that's that's kind of one thing that you're certainly looking for. You're looking for better receiving production. Yeah, you want guys that can block absolutely. And and the Colts are still going to be, I think, a very much a run centered team next year because Jonathan Taylor is going to be here. They're not going to trade him for Cooper Cup like uh, somebody uh, postulated online. Uh, that, that, or at least, threw out there into the metaverse to to, to generate discussion.
1: And that's an interesting we talk. That's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. It's an interesting question.
0: I think you can make arguments for both sides. I I, I really do. But but anyway, I I don't want to do that because a we don't have time to do it and and b we don't have time to do it right now
1: that, and, and c Ballard won't do it
0: exactly <laughs> and that too and Jim Say won't do it and Frank Reich won't do it so so we can just eliminate it right away but uh, but but when you look at both of these groups, chap the wide receivers and tight ends, it, it's it's un- unmistakable um, to to so many people that to so many people to me that that this group needs to be improved. But it was it was still puzzling to hear the way Ballard talked about his pass catching group. I think in his postseason uh, discussion with us, saying that he did like like the guys, and it, to me, it kind of it really does remind me of of the defensive ends of the defensive line um, that he kind of uh, said, "Let's see what happens last year," and they got back something they didn't overly like, um, like they they let too many quality veteran guys go. And they just didn't get the production they were hoping for, and uh, it, I I really do think it would go a long long way to get somebody in who has who has good experience under a contract or two under their under their belts in the NFL. Somebody you're going to have to pay to bring in to get some more production to be a legitimate second option alongside Michael Pittman Jr. So that for the love of God, there's somebody else who can catch balls to tally more than 400 receiving yards next year.
1: Well, he he kept pointing out, well, you know. Good young talent possibilities, and he pointed out what Des Patman's catch in Arizona, and Ashton Doolins was against was it Tampa, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the sixty some yarder on the post. Okay, but that, that those were the flashes. Those, those were the, the beyond that they those guys are great to have when they're, they're you're four and you're five and you you need spot play. But who are your t- you got to have three stud guys. And if if Pasco's your third. You want better. I think he, he, he need him to be your fourth, mm-hmm. one. but they just they have got to address the top end of both receiver and tight end because T.Y. is going to retire, Jack Doyle is going to retire. You have got—you have got to bring in people who will move the needle. I began the
0: show with a rant. I might as well end it on another one. It, it, when you bring up those two passes, like, and it's a Carson Wentz-centered rant again, of course. Like, the Desmond Patman catch and the Ashton Doolin catch, they're fine catches, but they were 100 times better throws than they were catches, both of them. Like, Des Patman was running across the back of the end zone and he made a catch. Like, Ashton Doolin outran somebody, props to him for doing that, and he caught it perfectly in stride, this, this ball that could not have, Carson Wentz could not have walked down the field at Lucas Oil Stadium and handed it in a better position to that guy right there. The Colts need better weapons, undeniably. And I think they need better quarterback play than they had last year. But, but better weapons would go such a long way to actually seeing if Carson Wentz can be the guy that you want, if you want to sign him again. For Don't give him contract. any
2: excuses. Exactly. Don't give him any, like, give him this the year, weapons. There
0: are obvious excuses. Like and, and I and I bring them up. You can say they're excuses or their are reasons. Their weapons were not good. They had one guy more than catch more than 400 yards.
2: Well, can you think if Michael Pittman Jr didn't take that second year leap no. which easily could have happened I'd rather out of not a think round 2 that. wide receiver? Yeah. Um, like yikes. I'm saying, yikes. like
0: like give Carson Wentz no excuses at all. Sign a wide receiver, sign a tight end,
1: make sure that you're protected. Like and, and, and if you go through this again you say well then fine then not, gone then not, he's gone you're not and, good enough because you because again the way the contract structured you walk away after two years right with nothing no harm no foul right And there's a little harm
0: letting go this year there's like what is it 15, it's
2: like 15 million. million 15 million i think you save 13 you you still pay 15 you still eat 15
1: yes. so um, that's more than a little harm that, that's fi- yeah 15 million that's that's more than
0: indigestion that's yes. a, that's a you might be up chucking in the middle of the night once, just once. I will
2: pose a question before we get out of here um, to you guys. If you could, you know, you're you're the GM, and you're going to sign one of these wide receivers and one of these tight ends. Who are they going to be?
0: For the Colts in particular, yeah. Yes, that's, a, that's a good that's a good uh, good good finish there, Joe. Hang on, let me bring up the list.
1: Do uh, do 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 do. Christian Kirk. Okay. Because I'm looking I'm looking production. Yeah. And expense. I don't think they're going to pay.
2: And I think he fits, too. He's a deep threat. He's a they're, guy they're who can not, separate. They're not
1: going to break the bank on, on a receiver. I just don't think they will. And tight end-wise? Evan Ingram is a lot like...
0: Uh, Eric Ebron, like he really is. They're both EE as well. That's that's not the not the only reason. Initials. First round like, picks who yeah. dropped the ball. Yeah, exactly. Have a like, lot <laughs> of athleticism. <laughs> you're, you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just looking at it here, and I I think that I I would not be surprised at all if Evan Ingram is, is a Colt next year. Wouldn't hate it. No, I to to see what happens. And then when it comes to wide receiver, this stupid page. Sorry, chap. I'm gonna shuffle through your papers here. It's
1: all the way to the bottom.
0: Yeah, I know. Ah. Uh, I like, like I think, if I if I wanted to sign one guy up there who's, um, who's who's kind of a bigger, uh, bigger get.
2: Because he saves it, theoretically, you saved a little money with Ingram. I don't think yeah. he's going to break the bank. Yeah,
0: May, I, like it's it's between Mike Williams and Allen Robinson for me. I would love to see. I, I mean, I would love to see Devonte Adams, but I'm not even going to entertain that thought. Um, and, and I think I think I would lean toward um, toward Williams. Uh, between those two but i still think alan robinson is is very good too and he, i mean he was he was a jaguar a long time ago so we have some afc south history in there too so i'll be i'll, I'll, go, I'll go williams and, and ingram with the uh with the option to change my opinion to uh to alan robinson and ingram at a later date if all right necessary.
2: well i'm gonna give two because it's my question so i get to cheat darn right um chris godwin at wide receiver mm-hmm. i just think it takes the offense to the next level and when healthy, he's probably a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Um, And so with Chris Godwin, I'm going to spend a little bit less. I don't think it's going to take a whole lot of money to sign Zach Hertz, maybe eight mil a year, two year deal, something like that. Um, And I think that does a lot for your offense between uh, uh, Zach Hertz and Chris Godwin. And then if I flip that and prioritize tight end um, and then sign a cheaper wide receiver, I'm going to go Mike Gusecki. I think he could really be a top five tight receiving tight end in this league. I mean, he, he's one of those tight ends for contract purposes who he could almost make the argument he's a wide receiver. Um, and then at wide receiver, I got Gasecki, and then I'm going to bring in Michael Gallup because I just really like the talent, even though he's hurt. I think he could really bring you a lot as well. So Gasecki and Gallup or Godwin and Ertz, get it done, Indianapolis.
0: There's a lot of options out there. Um, and There's options to get better everywhere. And that's uh, that's the intriguing part of the off season.
1: And, but, but again keep in mind that this nice list that Joe's got some of these names will not be available. You're right. They will be re-signed or yep. tagged or whatever. Yes. So keep that in mind for sure. And that's why we do shows every week, so
0: we can update you on things like that. Between shows, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for Colts news and notes. You can follow us individually. Mike is at mchappell51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm Dave Griffiths. I'm at DaveG underscore sports. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.